0: It had been a couple slow scoring years for Carolina basketball in Coach Roy Williams' final two seasons. Did Hubert Davis's first team pick up the slack? We'll find out today as the summer stat series rolls on and we look at scoring. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, July 26, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I wanna thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that the show is free and available anywhere you get podcasts. So go ahead, subscribe right now. And for those of you watching, smash the like button and leave some comments on your thoughts as we go through the show today. A bit of housekeeping, on Friday of this week, we are going to do a mailbag show, the first ever mailbag show that I have done for Locked on Tar Heels. So would love for you to submit questions. You can do that on Twitter or through email, lockedontarheels at gmail.com. Great questions are already rolling in, so make sure to get yours in as well. This is, in fact, our second week of the Summer Stats Series where we look back at a certain statistical category for last year and look ahead to what that will mean for the upcoming Tar Heels. Last year, we looked, last week, excuse me, we looked at three-point percentage. Go back and watch that if you missed it. And today, we are talking about scoring. Speaking of which, every Tuesday when we look at these, it's Trivia Tuesday! And so today's trivia question is this. It's a three part one. As always, it is going to have something to do with today's stat that we're talking about. So, three part question, here we go. Four Tar Heels averaged double digits in scoring last year. My question is this, again, three of them. How many times in the Roy Williams era did five Tar Heels score in double digits? What were those years, if any, and who were the players, if it happened? The answer to that coming up heading into the last section. Again, what? Uh, how many times in the Roy Williams era did five players av- average double digits in scoring? What were the years and who were the players? Let's see if you can get it right. Let me hear it in the comments. Okay, so to start our conversation today about scoring, we're going to look at what some of the individuals did last year, starting with a look at points per game. One of the neat things about last year's team is that it was quite a balanced team. There were four players, as I just mentioned, that averaged double digits, and all of them were in between 13.5 and 16.3 points per game. So really bunched up together. That was Armando Baycott at 16.3 points per game, Interestingly, that led the team, but it was just the 78th highest points per game average in Carolina history, so uh, really a lot of balance there. Caleb Love was second, 15.9, Brady Manick third at 15.1, and R.J. Davis fourth at 13.5. What I love about this type of balance is that it makes an opponent's game plan very difficult to prepare for as they think about the Tar Heels. You want to shut down Baycott? Double-team him in the post? Fine. Great. He's going to kick it out to RJ or Caleb or Brady on the wing or maybe big-to-big passing, hitting Brady on the other block, whatever it may be, or Leaky Black cutting down the lane. You just can't rule anybody out outside of really Leaky, who is your defensive specialist, but he can score at times as well. And so I love this. I like to call it a pick your poison offense because ultimately you as an opponent have to choose somebody to try to shut down because you can't shut down everybody. That's just the way it is when you're facing last year's Tar Heels. So I love that as we look at uh, points per game for the individuals. Everything a little bit fell off from there, but Dawson Garcia averaged nine points a game. He was close to being a fifth Tar Heel in double digits. What about totals? Here it was something cool like you might remember. uh, Last year was the first ever year that Carolina had three different people make 60 or more three-pointers. Carolina fell just shy of having three different 600-point scores. That's insane. So Armando Baycott led the way with 635. Caleb Love had 621. And Brady Manick, just 11 points shy, he had 589 points just shy of hitting 600. What's cool though is all three of those totals are in the top 50, uh, for a single season total scoring for Atar Heel. Uh, Baycott was 24th all time in single season scoring, Caleb Love 29th, and Brady Manick just making that top 50 coming in at 49th. And so when we look at those totals, Carolina was scoring in bunches, particularly those three guys at the top. <laughs> Excuse me. In fact, there were five different leading scorers last year. Uh, Armando Baycott led the way the most. He had he led the team 14 and a half times. I say and a half because he tied one game. Um, Caleb Love led the team in scoring 11 and a half times, followed by Brady Manick seven times, R.J. Davis three and a half times, and Dawson Garcia two and a half times. Those ties... Um, RJ Davis and Armando Baycott led the team with 15 points in the national championship game against Kansas and then Dawson Garcia and Caleb Love each had 22 points in the game earlier in the season against Elon and so um, again you have this balanced attack that can come at you in a bunch of different ways and that is something incredible to think back about. Here. Here's probably my favorite stat from last year, and this will further highlight this balanced pick-your-poison offense from last year's Tar Heels team. We're going to talk about 20-point games. So the number of times the Tar Heels scored 20 points. That could happen multiple times in one game. It could happen zero times in one game. Carolina played 39 games last year. In those 39 games, they had somebody score 20 points 31 times. There were just eight games where a Tar Heel didn't reach, um, 20 points. Now for context, um, there were 42 total times a Tar Heel did it. So obviously that means there were some games where multiple Tar Heels reached 20 points in the 2019-20 season. This happened 27 times. In the 2020-21 season, just seven times, so 34 times combined between the previous two seasons, and Carolina did it 42 times just this past season alone. Really, really cool. So 42 times last season, a Tar Heel scored 20 points or more. Caleb Love led the way with that. He scored 20 points or more 13 times, Baycott 11 times, Manic 10 times, RJ Davis 5 times, and Dawson Garcia 3 times. So that is really encouraging that anybody, like you had five different guys who popped off for 20 or more points um, throughout the season. Again, pick your poison. If you know that five different Tar Heels could go off like that, you got to guard that and it's not close. Now what about 30 point games? Obviously that was much less, but twice last season a Tar Heel reached 30 points and in fact it was exactly 30 points and it was in back-to-back games. R.J. Davis had 30 points in the Baylor game in the second round of the NCAA tournament, and then Caleb Love followed it up in the Sweet 16 by dropping 30 against UCLA. Crazy that those guys did that, and they're coming back to school. Uh, Unreal, insane. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Armando Baycott get up to 30 points at some time this year. I'm surprised that hasn't happened. Speaking of Baycott, that's the highlight for me of individual single scoring last year, is that Armando uh, scored his 1,000th point. He broke that barrier, broke into the top 50 in UNC history. He's currently sitting at 1,301 points, which is 46th all time for a Tar Heel. And obviously that's going to just keep growing. So as we look at the individual scoring things that happened last year for the Tar Heels, lots of of good moments, um, lots of, of blow up moments, but how did the Tar Heels do as a team? How did Hubert Davis's first team stack up against the 18 Roy Williams teams in the scoring column? Let's just say there's a little bit more room to grow. More on that in just a moment, right after I tell you about Built Bar. As has happened in the past, Built Bar has actually sent me some samples recently. And so right here, I have built Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs and I have built. S'mores Puffs. So right now live, just like I've done before, I'm going to sample one of these. I'm going to put them behind my back, pick one out, and that's the one I'm going to eat. Let's see which one it is. The Built S'mores puff. So let's open it up, see how this guide tastes, and then uh, get to share that with you. Okay, first looks at it. For those of you listening, I'm going to describe it. It's covered in 100% real chocolate, just like all of Built's Puffs are. Um, man, dark chocolate. That looks great. It's got some, uh, the graham cracker crumble on it so that it can be, uh, s'more related. And obviously there's going to be marshmallow inside. So let me take a bite of this and share with you my thoughts. Oh man, that's rich chocolate. That's so good. Mixed with the, the marshmallow inside and, and the graham cracker. I really like that. Man. I got to get finished recording so I can eat the rest of that puff. S'mores puffs, got to go get them right now. Go get it today. Let me remind you that all Built Bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides you tons of health benefits. And remember the best part about these puffs is of course they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt free because they're actually good for you. It's the perfect treat when you've got a craving, you need to satisfy your sweet tooth. Um, if you don't want the mess of a real s'more, you can go and eat this. Great source of protein. So, go to built.com, order you some of these puffs right now. The cookie dough chunk or the s'mores chunk, uh, excuse me, the s'mores puffs. You won't regret it. While you're there, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built. Dot com you know what i need to check my teeth make sure i don't have any chocolate in there oh yeah that's good we can roll on friends so we just talked about individual scoring now let's talk about team scoring from last year hubert davis's first ever team how did they do well i think something to just be aware of is they're not running as much as roy williams team's often did. And so I think you can naturally expect a little bit of a, a decline in the scoring average. But what's that going to look like going forward? Because of course, once again, we have a small sample size. So last year, Carolina averaged 77.9 points per game. As opposed to their opponents, they held them to 71.3 points per game. That's a margin of plus 6.6 points more for the Tariels. You'd love to see that margin be in the plus side, but how, how does that compare kind of historically? Um, you know, it's, it's hard to know is that good, is it bad, without looking at some context. So let's look back at Roy Williams' 18 teams. We could obviously get all the way back into Dean Smith and all that, but just for some recent context. So, from a season long scoring margin standpoint, as compared to the Roy Williams era, This uh, plus 6.6 is a lower scoring margin than all but three of Roy Williams' teams. And without too much trouble, if if you're a Carolina basketball fan, you can probably guess at what three teams those were. 2009-10, the season right after the 09 National Championship. 2019-20, that's the the Cole Anthony team, Coach Williams' next to last team. And then the 2020-21 season, Coach Williams' last team. Those are the only three teams that had a lower scoring margin <clears throat> than this first year of Hubert Davis's uh, tenure. And so that's really interesting. What, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, part of the issue here, you know, there's so many factors when it comes to scoring margin because it takes all sorts of things into account. Part of the issue is that when Carolina lost last year, they lost 10 total losses on the season. That includes the national championship game eight of those 10 were by nine or more points. Six of those 10 were by double digits. And four of those 10 were by 20 or more points. Carolina lost by 20 or more points four times last season. So obviously that's going to dip into that scoring margin in a big way. When you look at the 10 losses, Carolina's average margin of loss was 15.5 points. So obviously you you take some of those away and that scoring margin jumps up in a big way up above that plus 6.6. Another reason that scoring margin is as low as it was is keep in mind, I I know there's some, some recency bias, but Carolina had a lot of struggles for the first third to two-thirds of the season, I, I have been using the pit home loss as the demarcation line for the rest of the season. So, if you start the season looking at scoring margin from the game immediately following the loss to Pittsburgh, that's at Virginia Tech, is that very next game, Carolina had 13 more games last season, five more regular season games, excuse me, plus the ACC and the NCAA tournament. So that is 13 total games. The scoring margin over that stretch jumps from 6.6 up to 9.31, a much better scoring margin. However, it's still just kind of average as compared to Roy Williams' teams. Even the final 13 games of last season would have ranked... Roy Williams had 18 teams, literally smack dab in the middle. There were nine teams that scored uh, high, had a higher season scoring margin and nine teams that were lower. And so, yes, the 13-game the stretch through the end of the season was solid. But still, it was not um, anything in the double digits or anything similar to what some of Roy Williams' best teams did. And, and we'll get to that in a little bit as well to talk about it. All that to say the the scoring margin needs to grow. It needs to get better. Now, what about the scoring um, themselves just for Carolina compared against Carolina? Not looking at scoring margins, but just the scoring average for the team. If, once again, we look at Roy Williams' 18 teams, Carolina scored, again, 77.9 points per game. If you add that one Hubert Davis team into the 18 teams, roy williams teams that would have ranked 12th out of those 19 teams so uh, 11 teams from the roy williams era scored more than 77.9 points per game similarly i know we're talking about carolina scoring but let's look at opponent scoring as well they allowed 71.3 points per game did carolina last year they actually fall in that exact same rank If you add the one Hubert Davis to the 18 Roy Williams, last year's team would have ranked 12th in opponents scoring average. And so um, you want to see both of those numbers change. The Carolina average grow and the opponent's average shrink. Maybe the Carolina number above 80, the, the opponent number under 70. Now, when we look at single game totals, um, part of this plays into what we're looking at too with this scoring margin not be as high, the, the scoring average not be as high. Carolina only scored 100 points once last season. And that was exactly 100, not above it. That was, thankfully, it was against NC State, and so you love to see that against a rival. But in fact, in the past three seasons, Carolina has only scored 100 or more points twice that is not typical. The year before that, the 18-19 season, Carolina scored over 100 points or more six times. That's more like a Carolina basketball team. So, last year's team just wasn't explosive or, or they wouldn't get above that century mark. And it, and it, you can't blame that on, hey, the starters came out and the and the bench players couldn't get up above 100 cuz as we all know, coach Davis leaned very heavily upon his, his starters and you know, plus Puff and Dontrez, some of that action. And so, um, Carolina just last year was not the scoring juggernaut that they have been in the past. Now, again, they definitely rose above where they had been the previous two seasons. And so that's part of it is you've got a lot of similar personnel uh, doing what they're doing. You're, you're changing kind of a game plan, going from two big lineup into a one big lineup with, with a stretch four. And so that there's some uh, a little bit of a learning curve. So once again, we're going to have to wait and see what Carolina's team scoring can do in year two of Hubert Davis. In fact, how, how does this all shape up for the upcoming season? We've looked at individual scoring. We've looked at team scoring. How's it going to turn into? Ah, the answer coming up right after I give you the answer to the Tuesday trivia question. Okay, so the Tuesday trivia question you recall was this, how many times in the Roy Williams era did five different players average double digit scoring, what were those years, and who were the players? You think you got it? If you haven't already, stop right now, leave your answer in the comments. If you're listening, say it out loud, write it down, send me a tweet, something of that nature. Alright, drum roll, here's the answer. Three times in the Roy Williams era did five players average double-digit scoring. Uh, it's interesting. They all revolved right around national championship seasons. Two of them were national championship seasons. One of them was the year immediately following a national championship season. So the first time it happened was 04-05. Sean May, Rashad McCants, Jawad Williams, Ray Felton, and a non-starter, Marvin Williams, all averaged double digits scoring Jackie Manuel was the lone starter who didn't kind of similar to like leaky black uh, type role on the current roster 0809 uh, all five starters averaged double digits led by tyler Hansbrough's 20.7 Ty Lawson, Wayne Ellington, Danny Green, and Deion Thompson, all average double-digit scoring. And then the most recent example was not the 2017 National Championship team, but the very next year, interestingly enough. Joel Berry led the way at 17.1, Luke May right behind him, 16.9, Cam Johnson, Kenny Williams, and Theo Pinson barely got in, averaging 10.3 points per game. Again, last year's team came really close, Four of the five starters minus Leakey and then Dawson Garcia averaged 9.0 points per game. Be really interested to see what this year's iteration does. And with that in mind, we get into talking about the 2022-23 scoring expectations, both as individuals and as a team. So first we have to look at what does Carolina lose off of last year's team? Well, we just talked about one of them, Dawson Garcia and his nine points per game. Kerwin Walton averaged 3.4, and Anthony Harris averaged 2.6. So you lose those three guys to transfer. That averages out to right at 15 points per game. And then to graduation, obviously, Brady Manick, you lose a starter. This is your biggest blow because you lose him and his 15.1 points per game that he averaged. All told, Carolina is losing 30.1 points per game out of their 77.9 points per game that they averaged as a team. On the other hand, let's look at what returns, because keep in mind, uh, as we talked about last week, Carolina uh, is one of the best teams in the nation this year at returning uh, its roster, at least mostly intact, which is almost impossible to do in this era. And so what returns? This pick your poison offense. Uh, I expect Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Armando Baycott to all average double digits again. I would expect that Pete Nance will average double digits. I don't know that he'll get to Brady Manix 15. That would be phenomenal if he did. But I would expect him to, to definitely be in double digits in scoring next year. Does Leaky Black make a jump? We'll have to look at that. But in terms of, of everyone coming back, when you, when you look at what Carolina lost, they returned 71.2% of their scoring. That, that's phenomenal. That's more than two-thirds of your scoring, just shy of three-quarters of your scoring from last year's national runner-up team. So Carolina is in great position with scoring. They return four of their top five. Brady Manick steps out, um, but everybody other than that that were in the top five. So the big question marks then are, what does Pete Nance do? I already said a little bit about that. My guess is that he'll average between 10 and 15 points per game. I think um, Love, Davis, and Baycott will take on the biggest chunk of the load next season. Um, And so I expect to see this leap. And, And you've got to have some kind of... Um, I wouldn't say astronomical growth, but good steady growth year over year from Puff Johnson, from Dontres Styles, from Leaky Black. If, if Leaky could get up to more like seven points a game or something of that nature, um, if, if Puff and Dontres could get up to like five points per game, just if just everyone can continue growing, you just don't want to see recession in any of that. Um, what do the freshmen do? Can any of them come in and average? five, six points a game? Can Seth Trimble do that? Can Jalen Washington, who is a multi-level scorer, do that? Can um, Tyler Nickel do that, who is a self-proclaimed four-level scorer? What does any of that look like? As a team, Carolina needs all of that to come together so they can grow this scoring margin into double digits. Um, As I said last year, it was plus 6.6. That that just won't cut it if you're wanting to be the the team that you were the last third of the season. Um, that is what you really need to do all year long. But even then, that 9.31, I don't think is good enough. I think Carolina as a team has to have a scoring margin in the double digits. Let's look at Roy Williams' three national championship teams. You ready for this? 0405 plus 17.7, 0809 plus 17.8. Uh, the 16-17 team, plus 13.8. You had several other of the best Roy Williams teams that were in those mid to upper teams. The, the 12 team that lost Kendall Marshall to injury was at plus 14 in scoring margin. These are the types of things that this Carolina team needs to do. I think if, if they want to be that national championship caliber, they really need to get up to 14-15 points scoring margin next season part of that is that they have to grow their scoring the other part of it is that they have to do better defensively both those numbers were in the 70s next year I think we got to see that uh, those margins go out at both book ends um, I have to imagine this team is going to grow, uh, grow in scoring um, again if 77 point9 let's call that 78 last year that's just averaging two more points per game that's one more made layup. That's two more made free throws. Again, I guess we have to admit that it was a very good free throw shooting team. But if Armando Baycott could convert one more bucket around the rim per game, that's all that is to get your scoring average up into the 80s. Similarly, the defense is probably going to improve. You've got A fifth year Leaky Black who's going to be just shutting people down. Puff Johnson is a great defender, going to take a leap there. You have to imagine that um, Caleb and RJ are going to be better defenders because they'll uh, just have more energy because of the backup minutes Seth Trimble will provide. And so with the the scoring defense um, coming in in that 71 range... um, What was the exact number again? Let's look back at it. 71.3 they allowed. And so that's less than two points a game Carolina has to shave off defensively to get that number down into the 60s. I think both of those, we can see that margin widen and that will be a big win. Uh, Part of that is this team knows and trusts each other another year's worth, right? You bring in the freshman, yes, but other than that, you've got a really um, experienced and talented group coming back. You add in Pete Nance, but with everything he brings, his humility and wanting to play whatever role he can, you think that all blends together to be a team that scores more and defends uh, and stops scoring more as well. So for me, scoring-wise, bottom line, predictions... I'm going to say that Armando Baycott leads the team in scoring once again this year. As a reminder, he had 16.3 points per game last year. I'm going to say he's going to get up over 18 points per game this year as well. I know that there's more, you know, more bodies that will probably play, but I just think he's going to have an even bigger role this time around. I'm going to say that the team will average over 80 points per game. I'm going to call it 82, uh, that they'll grow about four points per game over last year. Again, that's just two made layups, two made two pointers per game extra. That's not that much per game. Carolina can do that. I'm also going to say that the scoring margin will be plus 12 or better because I just think this team is going to realize the dominance that it takes to do what they want to do all the more so than they ever had before. So all told, I look for second year under Hubert Davis as we get more of a sample size as they all become more comfortable with Hubert Davis and who he is and what he expects this team is going to grow offensively and start scoring there will be more than one there will be more than one 100 point scoring game mark that down right now okay that said, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up tomorrow, Coach Pat Kilby and I look back at R.J. Davis's sophomore year and preview what's ahead for junior R.J. Davis. Man, appreciate you so much for joining me on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. If you haven't already, go subscribe wherever you're listening or watching. If you haven't already, smash the like button. Leave a great comment on your thoughts on what Carolina will do on scoring this upcoming season. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Heels. Follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. Get more on the ACC by making Locked On ACC your second listen today. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you around the conference in 30 minutes, five days a week. Hey, thank you so much for spending part of your Tuesday talking Carolina with me, talking about scoring. I mean, that's always fun. Boy, I can't wait to get back to it. You know why? Because it's always a great day to be a target. Until tomorrow. Peace.